0: Hello, Husky fans. Welcome back to our Pac-12 Picks show. My name is Trevor Mueller. With me is fourth and inches Jake Grant, and on second thought, Kayla Olin, on second thought, Mike Martin, and our special Husky guest, DeAndre Campbell. DeAndre, thanks for coming on.
1: Thanks thanks for having me.
0: Awesome. We're going to jump right in. We are you know getting it's so weird to say we're getting to the end of the pac-12 season already washington a perfect three and right now in the driver's seat in the pac-12 north after what happened last week uh so we're gonna jump right in here uh first up we have that t- number 23 oregon losing the f- artist formerly known as the civil war to oregon state they're headed to cal it's at four on espn Oregon is a 10 point favorite. Kayla, what do you got?
2: I hope you just knocked on wood in terms of Washington and so far being undefeated. I'm just going to throw that out there. But Oregon is coming off of a upset to Oregon State, like everybody in the nation witnessed. Oregon averaged over 14 yards per completion and passed for just shy of 300 yards. Throw in 183 rushing yards with two weapons with C.J. Verdell and Travis Dye. And Cal won't know how to prepare for all of those weapons that Oregon has offensively. Oregon continuously beats up on Cal year in and year out. So I'm really not sure I see anything different happening. Plus, Chase Garbers looks like he may have dropped off a little bit compared to how he was as a quarterback last season. And I don't think that Cal is starting fast enough to really hurt Oregon kind of defensively and offensively. So unfortunately I will probably pick Oregon by 17 because they're going to be so upset by that Oregon state loss.
0: Yeah, Jake. And it's so weird to see chase Garbers really take a step back after we talked and we kind of thought he was going to be, at least he came in as a top two quarterback in the, in the pac 12 with so many guys leaving last year. But what do you got on this game?
3: Yeah, I mean, when the season started, we thought Garbers might have been a potential first or second team all Pac-12, right? Uh, he hasn't been that this year. California just lost too much defensively from graduating in the NFL draft. Their defense just isn't what it needs to be to beat Oregon this week, unfortunately. So with that being said, I'll agree with you, Kayla. I'm going to pick, uh, yeah, I know, it's just, it's a stunner. I'm going to pick Oregon to win 35 to 21. DeAndre.
1: I like, you know, I actually like Casey's point and Kayla's point. Um, I just don't think that, I don't think that, I think that Oregon losing last week when they know they shouldn't have lost and they were, you know, they were, I want to miss, I, they were in, they had an opportunity to get to the playoffs, but I don't think that that's a long shot now. Um, they probably won't even win the North. Um, so, uh, but, having that chip on their shoulder um, it just play it just so different when you when you lose a game you know you're supposed to win that you should have won you come in next week at practice whether it's coaching staff or the players with your hair on fire ready to just punish whoever your next opponent is and I think like they said Cal's defense just won't be able to sustain against uh, that run attack um, and it's actually a three-headed monster because the quarterback can run just as good and get and be just as efficient on the ground so um, I don't see them stopping – I don't see them stopping Oregon. So I'm going to go with
0: 35-21. Awesome. And, Mike, this is gut check, gut check time for Crystal Ball and that staff, if they can get their guys in a season where, uh, you know, they thought they were going to be good and uh, losing – not playing well on the defensive side of the ball. Absolute gut check time.
4: What do you have on this game? Well, the thing that I, I like about what happened to Oregon last week is they had to play – this is what Jake brought up last week about playing Oregon State – is they were going to have to play 60 minutes. And they played uh, 59 minutes and 57 seconds of that game. And they're going to be worn out. Uh, they have an extra day of rest. But that was a more physical game that I think a lot of people realize. And, and um, uh, Oregon State really pushed or- Oregon's defensive line around. If Cal can find something in Garbers and, um, and they have a good running back, I'm sure has the guy's name and number, Uh, but, you know, they have just so much good uh, stuff that I think that Oregon got exposed on. And I think that Wilcox can look at a lot of things in there defensively to really kind of turn some screws on Oregon. I, uh, Cal only lost two defensive players. One of them was Evan Weaver who has yet to play a down in the NFL, I think. Um, but I think that, that they have enough pieces there that I I think that they can really kind of push Oregon. I think Oregon got exposed enough to make this a three point game. And of course, Oregon is going to win. Yeah, I'm
0: with you guys. Uh, I think that Cal just doesn't have the pieces to, to stick with this talented Oregon team. Uh, and I'm going to go, uh, at, I don't know, 30, 24. Um, moving on to Colorado, the surprise team, they're undefeated right now. Uh, they even have a non-conference win. They're headed to Arizona who hasn't won a game since DeAndre suited up for the purple and gold. And uh, they are going to try to break that streak. At 4 o'clock on FS1, Colorado's a seven-point favorite.
3: Jake? Yeah, even though the records show opposites, I think these two programs are very similar. Um, they both score in points and in high clips, but both teams can get exposed defensively and give up bunches of points as well. Um, Colorado's given up 28 points per game. Arizona's given up 35, a little over 35, actually. Um, this is the game I think Grant Cannell finds his mojo and uh, kind of turns this game into a shootout. Unfortunately, it's not enough for Arizona. Their third down conversion complete uh, rate is at an abysmal mark, just a little over 31%. Um, Colorado gets them 45-42. I,
4: you know, this this is one that, that every week you want to say – Arizona State or Arizona is going to win one, and they, they just don't. They find ways to lose. Um, what Washington did to them in three quarters uh, it tells me that they don't have a whole lot of weapons there. Because uh, Utah really didn't have a whole lot of weapons, and Utah scored on Washington. I, I just, I just don't think that Arizona. This is not the week that they get a win. Um, And I don't think it'll be close. I think Colorado, they are playing for everything. This is the season that that everybody doubted that they had anything. And I think that this is the the season, uh, this is a game when they really kind of throw everything in because this is a season of nothing to lose. And I think they're playing that way. And I think that this could be a, a shutout. Wow.
0: So DeAndre, this is the opposite. Their wide receiver core is the opposite of you. Um, They are uh, a lot smaller um, and they're able to be uh, funneled at the line. And we saw that against Washington. What do you think Arizona can do and and, and what do you got on this game?
1: Um, Honestly, yeah, no, I definitely saw that. You know, it's a lot. They're shorter. They're smaller. And they're faster. And I think when you have those type of guys, it's important to get them in space. And so if they can figure out a way to get their guys in space to be able to make plays and um, for the quarterback to come out with a more consistent game early in the game, um, I think they can apply a lot of pressure to Colorado. And they're at home. Um, But, you know, like Mike said, you know, with this Colorado team, you know, nobody was expecting a whole lot from them and didn't see that they were in that position to be able to do what they're doing now. And it, it's something – it says something about a person when they get back into a corner and they don't have anything to lose. And when you get in that position where you don't have anything to lose, you're you're swinging as hard as you can, as long as you can determine. And I think that Colorado is doing that. I think that them being able to score a lot of points is what is going to allow them to win this game. Um, but I definitely feel like they're going to have to hone in on the defensive side to to do better statistically and just have a better – overall game on the defensive side so that people don't continue to try to expose that weakness. But I definitely feel like Colorado is going to come out with this win. And I don't even know,
4: and Trevor, I don't even know that Grant Gunnell is going to start their mum on his status. He left uh, in like the first drive. um, And so uh, Plummer is um, probably going to be the starter. So he went 17 for 35. So, you know, he's a freshman. So Colorado, you know, that's why I'm thinking that, that we could be seeing a shutout. Right. And and Kayla, you know,
0: circling the wagons around a coaching staff uh, or a program in general, we see it all the time. DeAndre was actually a part of one when Sarkeesian decided to take off and they rallied around Marcus Tuiassoco in the bowl game. Uh, we're almost like seeing this for an entire season around Carl Durrell um, after Mel Tucker ripped their heart out. So uh, what do you got on this game? Do you think that that keeps this momentum going for the buffs?
2: I think Carl Durrell is the best thing to happen to Colorado and Mel Tucker leaving Kevin Sumlin with Arizona. They're very two different coaching styles. If you look at how they kind of battle each other and Colorado is picked to finish last in the PAC 12 out of the entire 12 teams with the vote, it was a guess that Colorado was a team that was winless on the season. That was even before only having these six or seven games. That was still at the full schedule. We're Twelve, now, exactly. And so now you kind of look around like we were, like DeAndre and Jake and Mike were saying, and they have nothing to lose. Colorado is now in the driver's seat along with USC to make a run at that Pac-12 South. And with that reason, Colorado is going to have their way with Arizona. We talked about not knowing which quarterback Colorado is going to face, whether it's Ganell or Plummel. One of them is not going to look composed. Greg Gunnell did not compose with Washington. Plummel, Plummel did not look composed with UCLA. That being said, if either one of them feels insecure playing the weird undefeated Colorado, it looks like it's not going to be any different for the Wildcats and that being said Colorado Sam Neuer who averages eight yards per pass and they pass a decent amount Arizona will struggle kind of like how they did with Washington Arizona's offensive line is not up to the task and the physicality that Colorado's defense is playing I would say Colorado by 14 especially because the coaching styles are so different and Colorado's more of a not
4: and, awesome, and, and and I will I will give K- Kayla a little bit of credit here for creating a new hybrid quarterback because she took Grant Gannell and Plummer and she made him plummel <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> What I do, what I do.
0: So, Mike, moving on, I'm going to call them your darlings because you've been on the Beaver Train. Uh, since before the pandemic hit. you That was your dark horse team to compete in the North, uh, and they go ahead and knock off Oregon last week. Um, they're now headed to Utah at 7.30 on ESPN. Utah is an 11-point favorite. We saw the transformation from Game 1 to Game 2 from Utah. Much better team in Game 2. What do we got on this Beaver-Ute matchup?
4: Well, the the one thing, uh, just to kind of look at the Oregon State game and uh, Washington and the Utah and Washington, between those two games, they played a full game of absolutely smash-mouth football where they shut out Oregon State in the second half. They shut out Utah in the second half. And I think that you kind of get a little bit of of a feel uh, for – Neither of those teams are going to back down from each other. This, I think, could be one of the most exciting games this weekend because I think Oregon State's defense is better than I think anybody thought it was. I think their offense is as good as I I think that we would expect from a Jonathan Smith team uh, because he saw under Chris Peterson how to take some uh, lower-rated recruits and develop them. And now the pay he 's starting to get that payoff there he 's been there three years. Uh, he has a new quarterback, but he was a four star guy that transferred out of from Nebraska over down in um, utah i mean th- this is a team that that defense is is nasty that Washington was able to put twenty four points on the board is is a is i would say a credit to Utah not there was as playman on utah turning over the ball that's why they lost that game against usc because their defense played well enough to win uh that game it's the offense that had five turnovers in the second half against usc they had five turnovers or excuse me four against washington so you know if 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 arizona excuse me oregon state can figure out how to pry that ball out force that quarterback into mistakes, I think we could see something good happen for Oregon State in this game. I don't think this is the game that they do it, because I think Utah's defense is going to be pretty pissed off, having two games, and I think they know that they're going to have to play six quarters of defense uh, in a four-quarter game, so I, I think that, that Utah is really going, this is going to be one of the best defensive performances, but I think think that I, I just I think it's going to be just a hard fought game um, I can't really pick this one it's kind of a toss-up I'm going to say Utah by 10. So Jake uh,
0: we talked about Tristan Gabbia on our show um, thinking that he beat somebody out especially at the beginning of the season uh, I wouldn't feel super confident about that But as we saw last week, he made some big throws, and he was a big reason why they ended up coming back. We've seen Utah's defense against uh, running teams. Now, does Oregon State have that transcendent running back who's going to be able to uh, still get positive yardage against this stout run defense where they're going to be able to keep stacking the box?
3: Yes. Yes. Uh, I mean, look, look at what Jamar Jefferson did against Oregon last week. I mean, the dude is an absolute freight train. He has ran through literally everybody that he's played this year. I feel fortunate that he. Not only was got Oregon,
2: so. What he
3: did against Washington, I mean, really, he had a de- he had a decent day in his what he's done this year. Um, we talked last week about Utah needing to change some things to be a little bit better. They changed some things defensively. Mike alluded to that. They got a lot better defensively. But in two games, they have nine turnovers. And if you're going to play an Oregon State team that runs the heck out of the ball, especially with one of the nation's top running backs, and they're going to control the clock against you, your possessions are going to be limited. They're already turning it over on a quarter of their possessions. If they do that against Oregon State, they're going to get absolutely drugged through the rain. And that's why I have Oregon State winning 24-21. to 21.
4: Wow. And, and, oh, and three Utes. And, yep. and I'll tell you what, the, the thing that um, that Utah will have in their favor is they have a, a young offensive line, but they won't have ZTF from Washington getting after the quarterback, and they won't have Marlon Tui-Pilotu from uh, USC that wrecked that offensive line. Yeah, Kayla, what do you got in this game?
2: I love everything that Mike and Jake were saying because, yes, Jamar Jefferson is a stud, but let's go ahead and look back at that second-to-last play where Tristan Gavia got his leg pulled. He now has help getting off the field. Saran wrap and ice taped around his quad, and he's on crutches after the game. I don't think Tristan Gavia – plays. That being said, Oregon State and Utah is coming off their second loss. I don't see Utah losing three times in a row because it's not November. That's basically my main reason. No win November. And with Utah having the best run defense in the Pac-12 like was mentioned, Jamar Jefferson just won't be able to carry the team let alone they're going to try to give him the ball a little bit more because of this quarterback situation now. Utah can prepare for that. Utah looks like they prepared for the three-headed monster run game that Washington had, and it was 21-0 at half. Before, I think Utah wins, but only by about seven.
0: Awesome. DeAndre, what do you got on this one?
1: And I'm, I'm in agreement. I, I think this is going to be – I don't think it's going to be a shootout, but I think it's going to be a hard-fought game. I right. think that, you know, it's very hard to win in Utah um, for anybody. Um, but their defense is playing at a, at, a, at a great level right now, and it's just they have to get their offense on, on the right page. If they're able to get the offense on the right page, um, like Kayla said, if the quarterback for Oregon State is out and they fully just become one-dimensional with Jefferson, I don't think it's going to be a close game because they can hone in on that unless they're able to hit them with some play action and receivers are able to make plays. Um, or unless Oregon State is able to get some turnovers and capitalize on those turnovers, maybe a couple pick six for final recovery or something like that to be able to have a short field to work with um, to at least get a field goal, um, I don't see Oregon State pulling it out. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go 24. I'm gonna go 24-10. I'm gonna go 24 Utah.
3: Let's let's not forget also that Oregon State almost beat Washington with just Jamar Jefferson. Yeah, that's right. He didn't do a whole lot against Washington, and they still they were they were two bad spots away from beating Washington
2: in Washington's first game of the season.
3: Doesn't matter
2: with their starting quarterback,
3: yeah. who Jamar is now Jamar out. Jamar Jefferson on- is that good?
1: No, no, I don't discredit Jefferson at all. I'm just saying. You know, going up against the number one rushing defense, if you don't have, if you don't, if you don't have the play action pass, or you don't have the fear of the play action pass as a defensive play caller, as a defense, to where you're not game planning for that, or you don't feel that the receivers are to the caliber to have, to where we have to worry about it, then you become one dimensional. Now, yeah. if they're able to capitalize on the fact that Utah may think that they are one dimensional, then it becomes a different game, and I think Jefferson really is able to do more than you know, more than we think he's going to be able to
2: do if they aren't one-dimensional. Jake is just mad that DeAndre likes more and agreed with me. That's <laughs> well, what it is.
3: Over <laughs> o- over, under Jefferson 200 yards this game? Under. Mike? Uh,
4: I, I –
2: I, you, you can agree have, with me, Mike.
4: I – man, I think they're going to have to Come rely on. more on the run. I think he has – um 153 and a half yards.
3: DeAndre? I
1: don't, I don't, I, I can't, under under 200. I can't give you
4: 200.
3: Trev? Yeah. Over 200. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um,
4: There's that, 100 that 100 dumb and dumber, you dog.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's five miles back that way. <laughs> I'm five miles short.
0: Oh my God. Um, um, uh, okay, moving on. We have UCLA. Uh, going up against Arizona State, who finally gets to play a football game again. Kayla, what do you got on this one?
2: Like you mentioned, ASU finally gets to play, and ASU has not played a game in a month. Last time they played was November 7th against USC, and UCLA has played four games where they looked really, really good. You kind of talked about that Jake disagreed with me is that Chip Kelly is starting to get that rhythm going his getting his system going all the pieces are clicking DTR is an outstanding quarterback and he didn't even play against San Diego State. So ASU blew what should have been a for sure win against USC. I was so high on the thing into this basically because Into a brand new season, not actually playing in.
3: Jake, um, this game's tough for me. Uh, I I think uh, I still don't believe in UCLA at all. Um, I am drinking the Kool Aid with what Arizona State's bringing to the table, so I'm going to pick them to go win twenty to ten.
1: DeAndre, ah uh, man, <sighs> I think you know, if Chip Kelly is able to do, if he, if he has the pieces in place and he's able to, you know, to run that no huddle offense at a high level, I think it's going to be the highest, I think it's going to be a high high scoring, high intensity game. But I think for Arizona State, having not played in so long, being as fresh as they are, um, I think that, you know, they're going to come out with their hair on fire um, because they don't have too many more opportunities to play. So they're going to, they're going to, like you said, like, you know, we're talking about, you know, uh, Colorado early. They had their back against the wall. They haven't had much opportunity to play. They're going to come out with their hair on fire. I have Arizona State winning uh, 28 to 17.
4: Mike. Wow. Um, I think I, I agree with pretty much everything that DeAndre said, but I think the score is going to be more like 45 34. Um, but I think, that, I, I think that Arizona State. With that much time off, with an NFL coach um, running the show, I think that gives him a lot of time to really scheme for UCLA. Yeah, you know, I mean,
0: being, you know, starting the season and then taking that break, that is going to be a tough, uh, tough matchup. You know, when you finally get on the field, the only one of us who really knows what that's like at a high level is DeAndre. It takes a little while to let the game slow down when you're so hyped to go play. I wonder if uh, they get down early and, and force an NFL coach who likes to run to throw a little too much. I'm actually going to go with UCLA on this one as well. Um, headed to Sunday, Sunday afternoon football at 4.30, FS1. We have the Cougs headed to USC. Uh, SC is a 13-point favorite. Uh, both of these teams didn't play last week. SC hasn't played in a couple weeks. Uh, so, Jake, what do you got on this one?
3: Man, these guys p- score some points, don't they? Uh, USC averages 31. Wazoo ad- averages 33. Uh, both of these quarterbacks are playing at an, a, a very high level. Um, USC is ranked in the top 20 in passing efficiency nationally, uh, passing yards per game. is uh, uh, playing not like a true freshman. He's kind of – elevated his level to play a really good quarterback for Washington state. Um, I think what's going to separate these two teams is their third down conversions. USC is 90th in the country at 37%. Um, If the Cougars can get off the field on third down, they could win this game. So with that being said, what USC is still going to just trounce these guys. They're going to win 45 to 20.
2: Kayla. Kind of like what Jake was saying, both of them haven't played in a couple weeks. It's going to be an even playing field. Washington State's a little bit harder to prepare for as they have been more balanced on offense as as four yards in between the two when they were playing Oregon State to as much as 20 when they were playing Oregon. That being said, I think it's going to be a little bit more of a challenge for uh, USC, I just don't see Nick Rolovich in his first season being able to game plan against USC and the kind of weapons that Clay Hilton does have stocked there. That being said, I think USC wins by ten.
1: DeAndre, um, well, it goes without saying, uh, I hate Wazoo, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, I mean, I, I think it's going to be high power offenses against high power offenses. Um, I think, you know, like you said, the quarterback play is at an all-time high. And, you know, I know that USC has a lot of weapons around the quarterback that they can rally around. Um, But so does Wazoo. Um, And we know they're going to come out, uh, both of them with their hair on fire because they haven't played a a game in a week. Um, And they have a point to prove. Um, But I think that SC is, uh, I think, I'm just running with SC. I think they're going to, I think their offense is going to click. And I just think that, from a, from a matchup standpoint, I feel like their receivers have a more of an athletic talent than the Wazoo DBs. And so I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking close to, uh, thinking about 42, 42-21. I get
4: 42-21. Mike, your favorite acronym, WSU, USC, which one? Well, I'll tell you what. Um, the thing that we've always, we've seen for the last 10 years is Washington State win games that they shouldn't, lose games that they should win. The same thing goes with USC. Um, But that's one thing that I like about this game where I could see Washington State making a move in it is that if there's a team in the Pac-12 that knows how to defend an air raid system, it's going to be Washington State because uh, Leach is now down in uh, the south. But he left behind a lot of players that know how to defend that because they saw it every day in practice. So can Washington State hang with them offensively? Uh, Marlon Pellotu is a load, and I think he's the uh, defensive player of the week because I think he walks away away with four sacks in this game. And I think uh, Washington State – excuse me, USC wins this, uh, I'm going to say 42-22, just to be a little bit different than DeAndre this time.
0: Awesome. And then, of course, the game of the week, Washington versus Stanford, a game that goes back and forth. DeAndre, you were there uh, during the transition from Harbaugh to Shaw. You were there when Washington finally beat Stanford for what it felt like a long time. And from then on, it's been a really back and forth kind of a a, a, a slugfest of the top of the North. Um, what is this matchup like?
1: Um, it's... I don't think it's like any other matchup. Um, I think, um, like I said before, um, Stanford has a, a mentality that they try to in, they try to embody on everybody and try to implore on everybody uh, that they play. And it's ground and pound, smash-mouth football. Uh, it's nitty-gritty. It's not anything pretty. They're going to come with it. So um, I'm looking for them to do the same. Um, like you said, it's back and forth, year in and year out. Um, it's a dogfight. Um, Fortunately for us, we're dogs. Uh, so uh, I'm definitely looking for you know, UW to come out you know swinging just like any other week, but more, I guess, more intense because they know exactly what Stanford wants to do and who they want to be. And so they're not backing down. Awesome. And Mike, Mike, you have a giveaway, and then I'd love your preview.
4: Well, this I found, uh, and it is um, – everyone can see it. it's Braveheart Coffee – And it is uh, the owner is a 30-year Navy SEAL. He's a veteran, and uh, 5% of the proceeds go to help uh, uh, U.S. soldiers. So it's going for a good cause. And whoever, uh, one of our listeners, whatever they get closest to the score, they're going to get this three-pound bag of Freedom Coffee from uh, Braveheart Mountain Coffee. So awesome. And what do you got on this game? Now, on to my preview. I think that that the Huskies have dodged a couple of bullets. When I went down to the tunnel for the game, for the players coming out of the, the tunnel, DeAndre, talk about what it that is like when you're standing there at the gate and you're doing the say who, say what, and the amount of energy that 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 is like to, to take that out onto the field. And I've seen it. I've been at that entrance for a lot of games and that one, they just lacked the passion. It really seemed. Is that a tone setter, DeAndre?
1: It is. It is a tone setter. Um, I think that, you know, I, man, it's, it's tough and the reason I think it's tougher now than when I was playing and when any of the years passed is this pandemic, man. And one thing about playing at home is that you feed off the you feed off that Husky Stadium crowd because you hear you hear the crowd before you ever see them um, sitting not just not just coming out the tunnel but sitting in the locker room, gearing up for the game. You hear them, and so as soon as you come out and you get ready to come out that tunnel, you feel it and you hear it. And not being able to do that definitely can play a role in it. But I think that Coach Lake has done a great job of honing in on the guys to get them to understand that, hey, we may not have the fans, but we have each other. And, you know, we got the crowd noise, and the crowd may not be out there, but we still have to go out there and play this game at a high level with high energy and high intensity. And, you know, I think that, you know, they're going to come and do that. They're going to come and do that. They're determined. So I'm excited.
4: And, and that, for me, they looked like they just lacked energy because I've been in there – where Caleb McGarry has been beaten on his helmet. He's getting everybody jacked up. And, you know, Jadon Mickens, when he was kind of doing his crawl out of the tunnel, you know, I've seen a lot of different things. And they stood there, and it looked like they had been there, done that. But they went into the locker room, and they came back out. And I think that they found the character that DeAndre was just talking about there for that second half. They' found that way to lean on each other and you know take the atmosphere out of it. We still have each other, and so I think that that is going to be important for this game because now you have um, you have the opportunity where the score is zero zero, and they can go out there and play sixty minutes, and they learned that they can play uh thirty minutes now they have to learn how to play with that intensity like they had against Arizona for uh, three quarters. Now can they do it for an entire game against Stanford? Because I don't think Stanford is the Stanford that DeAndre faced. They're not putting in those jumbo formations. They're not putting in three tight ends uh, to, to get that half inch. Uh, they've lost a, a lot of that edge that I think was left behind from Harbaugh. And this is now David Shaw's team. And the culture has changed. The mentality has changed, and I don't think that they have the really um, inside a phone booth sort of punch you in the mouth, uh, you know, and and see if you can win. I don't think that this is a Stanford team that we are used to seeing. The pandemic, I think, has really kind of thrown them off course. They're not going to have a home for the next uh, eight or nine days. So they're going to be kind of reeling because they've had to pack up more than they had to pack before. They're completely off schedule. So this is a game where I think Washington has to come out first off, get out there, get a lead, and then step on their throats and say this is our Pac-12 North now. I think Washington wins, I think, 40 to 10, and it's 10 more garbage points in the, in late in the game. Kayla?
2: See, I don't really agree with Mike just because this is going to be one of the most veteran and experienced teams that of Stanford that Washington has faced recently. They return nine starters on offense, seven starters on defense. The quarterback Davis Mills, that's the quarterback who destroyed Washington down in Palo Alto last season. He also had a great game last week going 24 for 32 and over 200 yards. Plus about 40 yards on the ground. He is elusive. He's experienced, along with all these players, needless to say, they lost Cameron Scarlett, their stud running back. Stanford has proven that they've been able to constantly churn out running backs, right? With Christian McCaffrey, Bryce Love, Cameron Scarlett. They've been good. And Washington needs this win if they want to control the game going into Oregon. And a little fun fact because Mike Love says fun facts is that the home team has won the last five straight games, and the Huskies are one and four against the spread against the Cardinal. That being said, I think it is a little bit closer than some people were thinking, and I think that it's Washington by 10. I, I'm,
4: I'm, I'm completely shocked that she disagrees with me. <laughs>
3: We'll make that two of us. Make make <laughs> make that two of us because Washington might have been lackluster in the energy at the start of the game against Utah, but what we need to remember is that this is a revenge game for last year. Me and Trevor were there in person. There was there was more energy with the Washington fans at that game than there was on the bench for Washington during the Washington players during that game. Uh, me and Trevor, we were ten rows up and. We, we were louder than anybody that was rooting for Washington on the bench. Um, they're not going to need that this week. They're going to be plenty pumped up for their revenge against Stanford, and you're going to see a lot of these running backs. You're going to see probably a lot of Richard Newton this week, a lot more than he saw last week. You're going to see a lot of Sean McGroon. You're going to see a lot of Kamari Pleasant, and they're going to control the pace of the game, and Stanford's going to try to take that away from them but they do not have the talent to keep up with this Washington football team. And for that reason, they're going to win 31-23. So looking at this game, I think there's two major factors, and we
0: talked about it on, on fourth and inches, that Washington, if you take out the fourth quarter of the Arizona game, they've given up 14 points a game in their three ga- two games and three quarters. Uh, there's a half against Oregon State that was blank. There's a half against Utah that was blank. Uh, So this defense is prepared to play against this um, Stanford team that, doesn't have some of those guys that Kayla mentioned and that guy that DeAndre had to play against in Toby Gearhart. those guys aren't there anymore. Uh, the offensive line is still talented. It's still tough, but I think with this Washington front seven, hopefully being able to really focus in on them and try to make Davis Mills beat them again, which Stanford did win, but we were there. Davis Mills did just enough to win that game. Uh, I think that Washington is able to roll. And the other part of it is the belief factor that Jimmy Lake and this coaching staff is instilled in this Washington team after that historic comeback last Saturday. So therefore I think I'm going to go straight with the numbers like Kayla. I'm going to go 31. Cause that's what Washington averages. Uh, that's what Stanford gives up to 14. That's what Washington gives up. Deandre, you get the final word.
1: Yeah, no, I think that, um, so just to piggyback off what you said, and I think you said it really well, I think that the end of that last game against Utah, going into that game, going to the end of that game and coming out with that win, leaving that game with that much energy and momentum, coming into this next week, I just think, it, I just think it's going to help them. I don't think it's, I don't think, you know, I know that they're going to understand based off last week as well, but they can't come out the same way that they came out against Utah, and that they have to come out fast and play fast and just have that belief, you know, it's, you know, it's one thing for the X's and the O's, you know, the game plan is, but it's the other thing to have that belief in the man next to you and, and the coaching staff and everybody to, to gel and come together. You know, I think that that's, that was the missing piece for UW with all the players they have and the potential that they have for them to be able to tap into that at the end of last week's game. I think they're going to come out. Um, I think they're going to come out better and they're going to maintain that. Um and maintain that poise at a high level. So um, I think that you know UW is going to take the defense is going to take that chip on their shoulder and have to stop the run. And I think they're going to do that very well. So um, I'm I'm with you. I think the four. I think Stanford only scores 14 points. Um, but I don't think that UW is going to because of Stanford's run style and because of the fact that UW is heavy on the run, run first. I think it's going to take off a lot of time. So it's not going to be a whole lot of time to score points. So Although it's going to be fourteen, I'm
0: going fourteen twenty-eight UW. Awesome. Well, thanks guys so much again. Uh, the person that gets closest to the score is going to get that Braveheart Mountain coffee.
3: So uh, I have to say I listened to the show.
0: Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Your your score of whatever you said. Somebody else take it because uh, tie goes to not Jake.
1: <laughs> anybody but Jake, anybody. I would
2: to.
0: <laughs> That's right.
2: Don't 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 make
0: <laughs> Well, that'll do it for us at the Husky Maven channel. I'm Trevor Mueller, Jake Grant, Mike Martin, Kayla Olin, and DeAndre Campbell. Go dogs! Go dogs!
2: Go dogs!